catching you up on the latest stories from around the Sunshine State that you should know heading into this Monday morning, September 12th. I'm Jacob Sedesi, and this is The Point from WUFT News. Hurricane Irma hit Florida just over five years ago. It put almost the entire peninsula under hurricane watch and caused the evacuation of almost 7 million Floridians. I spoke with Florida Public Radio Emergency Network's Melissa Fato about a retrospective she wrote with meteorologist Justin Ballard about the impacts of the hurricane on emergency management. Here's Melissa. I wanted to put together a retrospective on Hurricane Irma's impact on Florida. Hurricane Irma, it made its first landfall in Florida on September 10th, 2017. And what was interesting about this storm was that it impacted such a large amount of the state. You know, usually we're used to a hurricane making one, maybe two landfalls in a state. And so it impacts just a handful of counties or maybe just one geographic area. Hurricane Irma's track was up the inland of the peninsula. So it impacted a much larger amount of people than typically are impacted in a hurricane situation. Who all did you speak to while you were working on this story? And specifically, what did your co-author meteorologist Justin Ballard contribute? Justin covered the storm's history weather-wise. And essentially what happened with Hurricane Irma was that it started off the coast of Cape Verde in Africa in late August 2017. And already by the 31st, it was developing AI. And within 30 hours of that, it became a tropical depression, then strengthened to a tropical storm. Between September 2nd and 4th, Hurricane Irma reached a Category 5 status on September 5th, and then finally made its landfall in the U.S. on September 10th in the Florida Keys at a Category 4, making its second landfall near Marco Island on the southwest coast of Florida as a Category 3 later that day. So then by September 11th, after about a day of causing wreckage of the state, it finally weakened back down to a tropical storm, actually near here in Gainesville. So that was um, Justin's part, since he's the meteorologist. But essentially, the people who I talked to for the story were Robert Moyeda, and he's the warning coordinator meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Miami. And essentially his job, as his title infers, is to get the information from the National Weather Service and coordinate it with the local bodies in order to get, you know, the local government and other services the information that they need. And then I also spoke to Kevin Guthrie. And he is the director of the Florida Division of Emergency Management. So essentially, this is the state uh, government organization that coordinates all the county's emergency management into a statewide effort. He was not the director at the time um, of Irma, but he has been involved in emergency management for quite a long time. I believe he was a public safety administrator in Pasco County at the time. What did the preparation efforts for Irma look like? Something that was definitely a challenge when it came to Irma was that A, all these different agencies and counties had to collaborate, right? Because you just had so many places being affected. And then another thing that was new that year was that 2017 was actually the first year that the National Weather Service was offering storm surge warnings. So we're pretty familiar with being under hurricane watch or hurricane warning. This is a warning or a watch that has to do with storm surge. And that's when the water rises during a hurricane. 
So they didn't introduce the storm surge warnings because of Irma, but it just happened to be the same year that they introduced this for the first time. So it kind of was like a testing ground for these storm surge warnings. And although Moyeda says that there hasn't been a direct correlation made yet between storm surge warnings being incredibly effective, he says there has been in the last five years a decreasing amount of storm surge deaths, which is the number one killer during hurricanes. It's not necessarily the high wind speeds. It's people getting caught in this really powerful surge of water. So he says in the past five years, there has been a decreased amount of deaths from storm surge. And although it's too early to correlate that specifically to the introduction of storm surge warnings, Hurricane Irma was the first time that they were able to use that tool with the public. And he said it was a really impactful tool and really important one. You know, I asked him five years later after Irma, do you think Florida's in a better place? And he just said, I don't think there's a better state in terms of how to approach hurricanes you know, we are the best equipped state in the country. So he has a very optimistic view of Florida and our ability to handle hurricanes. That was Florida Public Radio Emergency Network's Melissa Fato speaking about the impacts of Hurricane Irma five years later. Now let's catch you up on today's top stories from around the state. The University of Florida is still a top five public university. According to the independent Florida Alligators Christian Casale, the university has maintained its number five status for national public universities for the second year in a row in the U.S. News & World Report 2023 Best Colleges Ranking released Sunday. UF tied with University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill again this year, though University of California at Santa Barbara, which previously shared the position with the schools, fell from the top five group in this year's rankings. This ranking follows a year where UF made numerous headlines for controversies surrounding academic freedom and COVID-19 policies. This ranking could be a breath of relief for some of the school's administrators, though the school did fall from number 28 to number 29 in the overall list of national universities, including private institutions. As Florida's top universities rise, many low-income students are being left out. According to the Tampa Bay Times, Ian Hodgson and Divya Kumar, Florida State University has risen 46 spots and the University of South Florida has risen 78 spots over the past decade in the national universities list. Combining that with UF's rise, Florida has become the number one state for higher education, according to U.S. News. However, this prestige has made the schools less accessible. The percentage of students from low-income families at these schools is shrinking, according to federal and state data. Experts say the state's focus on metrics in the push for higher performance may be to blame. Rising seas will shift tidal boundaries, leading to the loss of taxable properties, according to a new study. WUSF's Jessica Mazaros reports this could impact the tax base of hundreds of U.S. coastal counties, with Florida feeling the biggest impact. Subscribe to The Point newsletter, which drops the latest Florida stories into your inbox every weekday morning at 8 a.m. Visit WUFT.org for more information. I'm Jacob Sedesi, and you've been listening to The Point from WUFT News out of the University of Florida. Have a great Monday. Thank you.